Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great blessing it is to have your word. Lord, we thank you that as we look in it, we can see ourselves all the more clearly, that it is like a mirror. It exposes our sinfulness, and it also exposes who you are. So, Lord, we pray that as we look at your word this morning, we may glimpse more of your glory and know how best to follow you. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, many of you know my daughter, Philippa, and uh, she uh, is quite a character in many regards. But she also, this last week, she has had a particular problem. Her finger has had a wound on it that has been progressively getting bigger and bigger. Well, it was getting bigger and bigger last week, and then we did something about it. It's been getting progressively smaller. But the week before last, she actually said at one point that this is the worst thing that has ever happened to her. Her finger, I'm sure she doesn't mind me quoting, is the worst thing that has ever happened to her. Her mother had a response for that, uh, that comment, and I won't share that. But sometimes in this world, we do find that things feel like the worst thing that has ever happened to us. We find that we do go through hardship in this world. We do go through suffering. And sometimes it feels like it's intensely terrible. It is the worst of things that has ever happened to us. And this morning, we're going to be looking at someone go through a time of hardship. And that is the person called Abraham, who is described to us in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through to 10, those verses that we'll be concentrating on this morning. So I encourage you, if you've got a Black Church Bible, open it up to page 1192 as we look at these verses together. And we look at Abraham and the hardship that he was going through. We've been working through this chapter, and we've been seeing that this chapter is all about the faith that we should have. This faith that has been told to us again and again in the book of Hebrews that we should have, that we're the righteous people live by faith, is then shown by a number of people in church history, or particularly the Old Testament history, the way that they were people of faith, and how we can learn from their examples. And so we've looked at Uh, Abel, we've looked at Enoch, we've looked at Noah, and now we come to Abraham in verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 11, page 1192. We come to Abraham and we are told about the hardships that he went through and the faith that he had as he went through such hardships. Now, did Abraham have a hard life? Or is it an exaggeration to say that Abraham's life was a life of suffering? Well, I think from these verses we can get a number of clues as to why Abraham's life was actually hard. And so in verse 8, we firstly see that Abraham's life was hard, his life was a life of suffering, because he did not know where he was going when God called him to move from one country to another. We read in verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 11, "...by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went..." even though he did not know where he was going. How was Abraham's life hard? Well, he was called to travel to another land, and he didn't actually know where he was going. He didn't know about that land. Now, I know that when I am going somewhere and I do not know where I'm going, it is rather stressful. That's why I like to have a GPS of some sort so that I have some idea of how to get to that place. I'm quite stressful whenever I've got to go somewhere new and I always leave lots of time for travel so I can get there on time. But I like to have that GPS so that I know where I am going so that my suffering is not as intense. 
And it's always wonderful when you're on the return journey from where you've been going and you're following the GPS and then you, you get to that point where you go, I know my way from here home. And so I can turn the GPS off and it's no longer a problem for me because I know exactly where the turns are that I have to take and I can get home safely. That was not Abraham's experience. Abraham was called to leave his country, go to another country, and he had no idea where he was going. He hadn't been there before. And so he had no idea as to how he was going to get there and what it would be like even when he was there. Digital cameras hadn't been invented. I should say cameras hadn't been invented. He had no idea of what the place would look like. Maybe some art had been drawn of the place and come back to his area. Say the odds are pretty slim on that being the case, but he had no idea where he was going. How else was Abraham's life hard? Not just that he didn't know where he was going. He was called to go to a country where he would live as a stranger in a foreign country. We read that in verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, By faith he, that's Abraham, made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived like a stranger in a foreign country. Abraham didn't know where he was going, but it's not like when he got there, he was welcomed by a family who knew him or friends. It wasn't like when he got to the camel watering hole that there was someone there with a card up saying Abraham on it, waiting for him like they do at the airport. There was no one there to welcome him when he arrived. He was a stranger in a foreign country when he arrived there. And, it's not, and that's not easy. It's a hard thing to move to another country, let alone to not know anyone there. And particularly when he's left behind his family and friends and has no contact with them, in the way that we could enjoy today, no Facebook, no Skype, to try and maintain a link to ease the hardship of being in a foreign country. No, Abraham's there with no links to his past life, living as a stranger in a foreign country. And what happens if you're a stranger in a foreign country, particularly that time, thousands of years ago? You could get harmed pretty quick. There's no one there to protect you. You're a, you could even be called to be an enemy of the state of the areas that you're inhabiting now. And we see that Abraham does have struggles with the people who live in that land. He is afraid that they're going to kill him. How do we know that? Well, we had that passage read for us from Genesis chapter 12 earlier. Abraham lies about his wife being his sister. Why does he do that? He's afraid that they will kill him and take his wife. It's not as though life is easy there and oh, he'll have protection. No, he's a stranger in that land, we've got to remember. It's hard for Abraham to be there. He's so afraid that he'll actually lie about his wife and so that she's taken into a harem of a foreign king. And it happens again with Abimelech. And the only reason... He gets away without getting killed and his wife being taken from him is the way that the Lord inflicts pain upon these foreign rulers so that they then provide protection for him. It's only because they see the finger of God resting upon Abraham that he is able to survive as a stranger in that land. And we see other times so he even has disputes over land or uh, the wells that he's dug or the only bit of land that he ever owned was a tomb for his wife and even then he had to pay an exorbitant price for that piece of land he was a stranger in a foreign country and so life was hard for abraham how else was abraham's life hard well 
his living conditions while he was in that foreign land. What did Abraham live in? He lived in tents. It says in verse 9, By faith he, Abraham, made his home in the promised land. He, uh, like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. I think that's significant, those little words there, that he lived in tents to display Abraham's hardship. I do not like camping, and part of the reason I don't like camping is because of living in tents. Tents are not the safest of places to live in. Tents are not the nicest of places to live in. And the Bible here, I think, equates tent living with suffering. Why? Well, tents can get blown away. Tents can have a tree fall on them, and we know that Abraham liked camping under trees for shade, but a branch could come down, break through that tent very easily and hurt him. Rain can get in. I don't camp in tents. I haven't done that since I was a little boy. But my relatives sometimes will do it. Uh, Jill's family sometimes goes away. Last Christmas, they went away after Christmas, living in tents. They came back early. Why? It bucketed down. Rain, rain, rain for like a week. So after five days, they called it quits, decided to flood. They came home. Why? Because they were living in tents. If they'd been staying in a hotel, they might have stayed for the full week. Tents equals suffering. Rain gets in. Animals can enter. Enemies can enter. And rob you, even kill you while you're living in a tent. Much harder to get into a, a house that's made of stone. There's also very little privacy in tents as well. Very thin walls. And you see that in one example with Abraham. Sarah's listening inside the tent to what the conversation is that's happening outside. Tents aren't nice living. Who wants someone listening to you all the time, everything that you do and say? Tents are a sign of hardship. If you're living in tents permanently, you're seen to be living in suffering. It might be fun and good to go away camping for a few weeks. You might think that, or even just a week. I don't think that, but you might think that. But imagine staying in a tent permanently. That's what Abraham had to do. He lived in tents, the scriptures tell us. How else was Abraham's life hard? He went to a country that he did not know where he was going. He lived like a stranger there. He lived in tents. He also saw his children living in those conditions as well. We see in verse 9 it says, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. We see Abraham's children had to live in such conditions as well. Now, it might be all right for you to undergo some suffering, but when you see your children going through the same pain, it's much harder to take. You might be able to buckle up and think that it's okay, you can withstand it, but if you see your children suffering, if you see your children in harsh conditions, if you see yourself living in a country where someone could kill your children at any point, it's a hard life. So Abraham lived a tough life as he followed the call of God to go to this foreign country. So why did Abraham go? Why did Abraham follow God's command and go and live in such hardship for the rest of his days? Well, the scriptures tell us. Verse 10 tells us why Abraham did that. 
It says in verse 10, For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Why did Abraham go? Well, he knew that he was, he was going to receive a heavenly home as one who trusted in God. He was living in conditions, in a tents, without any foundations. But he was going to a heavenly home, to a heavenly city, with foundations that were designed, a city that was designed and built by God. This is something that we can't underestimate the importance of, that there's this heavenly city where God is the architect, God is the designer, and God is the builder. Whenever I go into the city and I see the big buildings that are there, I always feel a little nervous about walking past them. Well, not always, but sometimes I look up at them and I feel nervous because I think it was a human who designed it and then it was humans who built it. Now, how much faith do I have in those humans that they didn't make any errors in the designing of the building and the building of the building? Two groups of people I'm trusting here as I'm walking past. The architects and the engineers, and then I'm trusting the builders actually followed the plans of the engineers and the architects, that they actually did it according to those designs. And buildings do sometimes fall down because human error has gotten in somewhere, whether it be the designing or the actual building of those buildings. Whereas the heavenly city that Abraham was to inherit, that he was looking forward to, the architect is God and the builder is God and God is perfect. So those buildings in the heavenly city will be perfect. And so Abraham keeps his eyes fixed on that heavenly home and that helps him to endure the hardship. But how did he have that hope? How did he look forward to that heavenly home? What was underneath that hope of the heavenly city that he was looking forward to? Well, remember, as we've been looking at Hebrews 11, we've been seeing that underneath our hopes is faith, that underneath our hope is always trust, and underneath that trust is the word of God. And we see that in this text. What does it say at the beginning of verse 8? By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed. And then verse 9, by faith he made his home. He trusted God's word... And then because of his trust in God's word, he obeyed. And because of that trusting in God's word, he had this marvellous hope that he was going to a heavenly city. And so the current hardships he could endure because he had this trust in God's word. And Abraham then becomes an example for us to follow as Christians. We can actually be children of Abraham and walk in the same steps that he walked in by faith. Because when we look at the Christian life, it often is a life of hardship and suffering. It's not easy to be a Christian. Like Abraham, as a Christian, we often don't know where we are going in one sense. Now, this may not mean physically, but what life is going to bring next? We don't know what's around the corner. Abraham didn't know where he was going, and we don't know where we're going often. But what do we do? We trust in God's word. We hang on to the word and we trust that God knows what's coming. God knows where we're going and everything will be okay. 
And like Abraham, sometimes we feel like we're a stranger in a foreign country. That may be because you as a Christian feel a call by God to go to another country, to live in a foreign land, because you want to make Christ known in that country. But even here in Australia, sometimes we can feel like we're a stranger in a foreign country, particularly if you listen to the media. Sometimes feels like they're speaking a totally different language to the language that we're speaking, by the things that interest them, the things that they think are important, and the things that they say are true and good. We look at those things and go, that is not true and good. And even as you speak to those neighbours that are around you, even maybe your friends, you can feel like you're in a foreign country, that the purpose of their life is far different from the purpose of yours. And as you feel that they're on a different track from you, you can feel opposition. You can feel that people might persecute you and hurt you in the future for affirming what is truth according to God's word, for being a Christian. And so... We as Christians experience the same hardship in one sense that Abraham experienced of being a stranger in a foreign country. And like Abraham, as a Christian, we'll sometimes lead a more impoverished life. We'll usually lead a more impoverished life. Just like Abraham was someone who lived in tents, we in this world as Christians often live in poorer conditions than those who are unbelievers. Why is that? Because firstly, we're not as interested in the luxuries that this world has to offer. We don't invest in them. And so we we look at some things and say, oh, that's very nice, but I couldn't in all good conscience purchase that and own that. It wouldn't be in accordance with what I believe. And sometimes we even lose things for standing for the truth. People lose their jobs. People lose their possessions for standing for the truth. We in Australia are very well protected in this regard, but many of our brothers and sisters around the world know what it is to live in tents in one sense, to live an impoverished life because they stand for the truth. And like Abraham, we also see that life can be hard as a Christian because our children will suffer as well. Abraham saw Isaac and Jacob suffering in the land. I think Abraham would have been alive when... Jacob, when you do the math, uh, his grandson was alive when Abraham was. We also see our children suffer as Christians. And we as Christians might think, oh, it's okay, I can take the opposition of the world. But when we see our children being affected because of our stance for the truth, when we see our children being criticised for their understanding of who God is and who they are, and when we see our children even suffering because of our faith, and the luxuries that they don't enjoy, the schooling that they may not be able to receive, the education that you'd love to give them, but you as a Christian can't afford to do so, the blessings that you might like to shower upon them, and you see this with our our brothers and sisters around the world, that their families are affected by the faith of their parents. They live a hard life because they follow God. But why should you endure such hardships then? Why should you endure living in a foreign country where people are of the world and going in a different direction than you are, where people will actually make you suffer, where you live a a less luxurious life because you are a Christian? Why would you do that? Same reason that Abraham does. 
because he had the promises of God. He knew an inheritance was coming to him. He knew that he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Like Abraham, you, if you're a Christian, you hope for a different city. And that hope helps you endure hardships. I must admit that even so, it is hard to give up things at hand for what is visible, for what is invisible, for the heavenly city that is to come. I recognise this in my own life. I don't like trying new restaurants. I don't like going away for holidays. I like what I know and I've been to before. I have certain restaurants that I love to go to and I'll just keep going to those and won't try new places. And when it comes to holidays, I'll keep doing, we'll go to the same place. We enjoyed it last time, we'll go there again. It's hard to try something new, go somewhere you've never been before and to give up what you actually know. But that's what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to give up what is at hand for what is not at hand, for what is unseen at this stage. And we're happy to do that when we realise what is to come. Like if I was to realise about a really marvellous holiday, I might try it. I might go and do something that I haven't done before because I know that it is going to be wonderful. And that is what we as Christians do. We give up, we suffer, we're willing to undergo hardship in this world because we know that the city that is to come is marvellous. It is beyond our imagination. Why? Because its architect is God, its builder is God, which shows us beyond human dreaming. The God who is infinite has designed it, whereas we are finite creatures. And so that helps us to realise that we can undergo hardship in this world. And as we examine the things of this world, that helps us as well to realise that we should continue to trust in God. See, Abraham could have stayed in his country and he may have had more safety doing that. It may have been a better life for him. But Abraham knew that the very best of countries can't give you 100% protection. The very best of countries. You think Australia is a wonderful country and it's going to be marvellous for you if you stay here. All you have to do is look at the United States at the moment and you see the political cycles that go through. Someone gets into office that you love, then someone that you hate gets into office. Countries are not 100% safe. Wars can come along and ravage a country. Abraham knew that if he stayed in his own land, he wouldn't be 100% safe. The only way to be 100% safe was to trust in God. And Abraham could have built a nice strong house, a big castle in that land, and he would have been safe. Would he? Unnecessarily. Houses can be overrun. Houses can't provide 100% security. They may provide a bit more security than a tent. But they can't provide 100% security. You might have a very nice house currently here in Australia, and you think it's your castle, be aware it won't last forever. Think of the buildings in the past that have been constructed, mighty buildings. How many of them are still standing today? And if they are standing, how much do they need of constant repair 
and care to make sure they continue to stand. Why is this? Why do buildings not continue to remain? Why aren't they 100% proof from disaster? Because disaster can come along. A disaster of a fire can rip through a building and destroy it. Or an earthquake can open up and swallow a building. We don't have as many earthquakes here in Australia as some places of the world do, but I visited Christchurch in New Zealand prior to the earthquake that they had, and I visited their cathedral in that town in Christchurch, very nice cathedral. My in-laws visited recently, and the cathedral is no more. Why? Earthquake. You can invest in a building here, but it won't keep you 100% safe. It won't protect you. It won't last. It may even be compulsorily acquired for a West Connects motorway. You think that building is so wonderful. The government can come along and say, it's no longer yours. We'll give you something for it, but you have to find somewhere else to live from now on. And so when we consider this, we realise, as we look at the things of this world, in one sense we are just living in tents. I don't like camping, but in one sense I'm on a permanent camping trip in this world. There is no ultimate security for me here. I am living in a foreign country, and the things that I own are all temporary at best. And so then, as I consider this, I should hunger all the more for what is permanent, It is unseen by me at this stage, but it will one day be seen by me. And it will be far better than anything in this world. The security of that heavenly home is far better than the security that can be offered in this world. And my kids will be far safer in that heavenly city than in any sort of place I can put them in this world. Any country I might be able to send them to, any castle I might be able to plop them into. Far better to make sure they know the gospel while they're young and maybe suffer for a time in this world, which it all is, it's just a time, a very short time when you consider it in the light of eternity. So what should you be? You should be a person of faith like Abraham. Abraham heard, he believed, and he obeyed, and he looked forward to the heavenly city. You're this morning in this room, you're hearing the word of God. Are you sitting there and scoffing at it? Or are you someone who hears the word, believes the word, obeys the word, and hopes for that eternal reward that is to come? You want to be that kind of person. Examine the scriptures, trust the scriptures, and consider the fragility of this world and consider the certainty of the heavenly city. Meditate upon the heavenly reward. Think about heaven often. When you think about heaven often, the things of this world pale. Talk to others at morning tea about what you're looking forward to most about heaven. At this stage, I find as my life goes on, I fluctuate from one thing to another. The things that I look forward to about heaven, I'll, at different times, I'll be interested in another thing. Talk to someone at morning tea. Ask someone, if you don't have anything that you're particularly looking forward to heaven, say to someone at morning tea, what is it you're looking forward to most about heaven? So that you can be a person who endures hardship in this world willingly because you know that you're going to a heavenly home. 
Yes, obeying God in this world will bring hardship. The Bible promises it. We inherit salvation, but we also inherit suffering. But it's far better to trust in a God who will protect you for eternity, in a heavenly city, than to trust in the things of this world which will one day be taken over by fire. Don't focus on what is seen, but by faith focus on what is unseen. Let us speak with our God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege it is to know about the life of Abraham. Lord, we thank you for the way that you called him, you spoke to him, and that he believed, obeyed, and hoped in you. Lord, we pray that we would indeed be children of Abraham. May we hear your word. May we believe, and may we obey because we believe, and then have that marvellous hope of that heavenly city that you will create for us, that you have designed and you will build for us, that will provide peace and security and joy and happiness for all of eternity. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.